Well, I guess you just have to be prepared to die. Well, what? Cell phones, pay attention. I tell you, you start counting five like a sucker. Well, to start things off on a somber note. Rest in peace to uh, a cultural icon, Mr. Lawrence Flint. God damn. I, to be completely honest, I thought that son of a bitch died like a long time ago. <laughs> I had no idea that Larry Flint was still alive until I saw that he died, uh, which, which I'm recording this. Yeah, he died yesterday from the date that I'm recording this, so, damn, 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 God, what a fucking, just proof that if you have enough money, I mean, you can do fucking anything, like, that son of a bitch looked like, uh, hey, <laughs> you remember in Total Recall, the, uh, Quado, <laughs> Larry Flint looked like if you lanced off the fucking Quado, and stuck him in a wheelchair. <laughs> oh my god, Larry Flint. You don't treat me like a baby, I'm gonna start acting like one. <laughs> god, what a fucking gross human being. I mean, I highly, highly support Hustler Magazine and all the wonderful work that that publication has done but jesus christ larry flint was <laughs> if you haven't seen um the people versus larry flint you are missing out easily like one of woody harrelson's best performances he plays obviously plays larry flint um courtney love plays his wife which is actually she's actually a really good actor or actress. Um, I don't think she really gets any credit for her acting. But if you watch like Man on the Moon or People vs. Larry Flint, I mean, had she not have become a you know methadone addict or whatever the fuck she is, then she probably could have been a really good actress. But yeah, the movie is basically about what uh, it's about the trial that Larry Flint. The well, Senate trial uh, where Larry Flint was being sued by Jerry Falwell, who was like a famous televangelist. And in one of the issues of Hustler magazine, um, you know, sandwiched in between the pictures of uh, women's birth canals, <laughs> there is a article that Larry Flint wrote claiming that Jerry Falwell lost his virginity to his own mother in an outhouse and at the time you know like social commentary is a little bit different because I think this was in like the 80s so maybe not 70s yeah like probably like 70s or 80s something like that and Jerry Falwell sued Larry Flint for libel 
Which one is it? Slender or libel? When it's written, it's libel, I think. I don't fucking know. Uh, anyways, he sued him for libel, saying, you know, like, this is damaging to my reputation. I'm a televangelist, not a uh, motherfucker. <laughs> and uh, it went, I mean, it went all the way to the Supreme Court. And Larry Flint won the case, you know, saying that because Jerry Falwell is a public figure, he can be basically shit on relentlessly. And it doesn't qualify as like slander or libel because he was doing it as a, um, like Larry Flint was writing this article about a public figure, which had he lost, I mean, that could have set all sorts of, you know, First Amendment restrictions for ever. So you got to give Larry Flint some credit for, you know, giving us a pretty solid foundation for the First Amendment. Well, in the sense that you can't be legally punished for, you know, saying that a celebrity or public figure, you know, fuck their own mother or whatever it is that, <laughs> that you want to say. You could definitely be fired from a job for it. Roseanne, but uh, <laughs> but the fact that you can't actually be like criminally punished for it. So, fucking round of applause to Larry Flint. Larry Flint. <laughs> God, just look. Google fucking pictures of Larry Flint. It is, ugh, God. And then he's in the fuck. I hate this shit so much whenever, so like whenever they make a movie about a person and that person is in the movie and sometimes it's like unnoticeable, like an Aaron Brockovich, like the actual Aaron Brockovich is in it, but nobody really fucking knows what she looks like. I mean, uh, in pursuit of happiness, the real Chris Gardner's in it, but nobody knows what he looks like. So you don't really like notice it, but in the fucking people versus Larry Flint, Larry Flint plays the judge. <laughs> and and he's like I mean he's a fucking terrible actor like <laughs> and he's like, like Mr. Flat yeah, I'm gonna silence <laughs> and he's just <laughs> just fucking like slurring his way through his goddamn bulldog jowls ah oh, yeah yeah well rest in peace is Larry Flint Jesus I don't know if I've recorded an episode since the Super Bowl, but fuck yeah, Tom Brady, the greatest of all time. There is, there can be no arguing that he is the greatest quarterback ever. And honestly, probably one of the greatest athletes of all time. Like if you're just looking at winnings and I mean, his longevity, I mean, I can't think of another athlete, like a professional athlete, who even comes close. May I mean, obviously Bill Russell had like, what, Bill Russell had like 13 championships or 11 championships, something like that. So he's definitely got Brady beat on that. So I, well, I don't know. So I guess Bill Russell's the greatest of all time. But for football, at least, fucking Brady, goddamn. And all these fucking... Pussy ass cowboy fans around here, like, well, let's see how good he is if he comes to Dallas. Like, fuck you. I hate God. Cowboys fans are the most annoying fucking people on the planet. 
Cowboys fans are just the sports versions of Trump supporters. <laughs> There's no goddamn difference. Like they're uh like they the Cowboys suck every year. And every year Cowboys fans are like this is gonna be the year. <laughs> this is it. How about them boys? And then as soon as they win a goddamn game, like they say they beat the fucking Jets, it's oh here it is. Like this is gonna be a great season. Like uh, hold it back a little bit, bitch. Like you beat the Jets. Like goddamn, a fucking high school football team could beat the Jets. <laughs> and uh, it just it never fails. Like they might start off you know decently well. And they're just gonna go to shit completely. Like I, I'm. I mean, look. I don't know. As a Raiders fan, I can't really talk much because we've been pretty shitty my entire life. I mean, went to the Super Bowl whenever I was in like third grade and got the shit beat out of us by the Buccaneers, and have and it's been downhill ever since. Like, like just look at like Jamarcus Russell's career with the Raiders, and that pretty much sums up the Oakland slash Las Vegas Raiders. So I guess it's pretty hypocritical of me to shit on the Cowboys. But God, their fans are just so fucking annoying. Like, ugh, I, I don't know. And then just to blame everything on Jerry Jones, like, look, bitch, Jerry Jones is also, he was the owner when y'all won all those goddamn Super Bowls in the 90s. So you can't really shit on them too much. I, I don't know. They're just, it's annoying as shit hearing people just like suck the Cowboys' dicks every year. And yeah, they suck every year. And then everything is the refs' fault. Oh, the refs are against us. Fuck off. Like, the refs are pretty much against everybody. <laughs> See, they need NBA refs that'll, uh, that you can slide a couple of thousand to before the game and they'll throw the game for you. <laughs> Oh, damn. Yeah, well, uh, congratulations to Thomas Brady and the rest of the Buccaneers and Bruce Arians. And uh, fuck Andy Reid and his piece of shit son. That's fucking crazy to me that Andy Reid's son almost killed a kid, like what, two days before the Super Bowl, three days before the Super Bowl? And it seemed like nothing happened. (laughs) And he was outside of Arrowhead Stadium. Like, right outside of the stadium, had been drinking, and just slammed into two cars. And I think, like, there was a five-year-old who ended up having to either go to the ICU or just the hospital. Either one. And Andy fucking leaves the scene. So he doesn't even stay there. Oh, my God. And then his son's had a fucking drug problem. What's his name? Britt? Britt Reed? Like, his son's had a drug problem forever anyways. Like, that dude's a piece of shit. And fuck Andy Reed. I'm just glad that the Chiefs lost. That's as much as I hate the Cowboys. I hate the Chiefs with such a passion because they're the only reason the Raiders haven't been in the playoffs the past couple of years. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's undeniable that Patrick Mahomes is a fucking amazing talent, though. I just wish he wasn't on the Chiefs. But yeah, I finally watched the um, the Michael Vick documentary on. Um, on ESPN, the 30 for 30. If you haven't watched it, holy shit. I had watched like a little bit of it, but I hadn't sat down and watched both parts. 
And God damn. It's just proof that if you get rich, leave everybody behind. <laughs> Don't give a fucking dime to anyone. I mean, your parents, yeah, that's about it. But like every friend that you had growing up, kick them to the side because they are going to do horrible things for you. Like they're <laughs> like that fucking dude, like uh, what's it, Qantas? What a piece of shit. And Michael Vick actually has Michael. I mean, I didn't really know a whole lot about like what his side of it was and everything. It was pretty surprising to hear him take, you know, like full responsibility for everything. Like he didn't try to blame it on other people. He didn't like say that, Oh, you know, like I was never there. So it's not like I knew about it. Like, no, he said that even though he wasn't participating in it the way that probably everybody thinks, he could have shut it down at any point. Like he had full control over the situation. He just let it happen and didn't see it as a bad thing. But then you have to remember that like for those guys, like dogfighting's not that big of a deal. Like it was shit that they like they go over like kind of the backstory of like dogfighting. And it was like just a part of their everyday life as kids. And police, you know, the police who would be going around like the projects in Newport News, you know, would bust people for everything, but they wouldn't ever bust people for dogfighting. So in their heads, they're like, well, shit, it can't be that bad. I mean, if the police aren't fucking with us about it, then it's not that big of a deal. And, yeah, you know, and then they say that like the a typical prison sentence for someone involved in dogfighting is like zero to six months. Like that's what they say in the documentary. And a lot of the times it's parole, like just straight parole. And they gave Michael Vick fucking two years like that. There's something pretty shitty. And the, they said it was because of the heinous way in which these dogs were treated. Like, yeah, all dog fighting is pretty shitty. If you're a dog, <laughs> like there's not really like a great outcome. If you're a fucking pit bull and you're in a dog fighting kennel, like, <laughs> like, and, but I, and then I don't even know that Michael, like they never really say whether or not Michael Vick was the one killing these dogs or whether it was just happening on his property and he knew about it. So, and what's crazy is that the two guys, the two main guys who were actually doing it, like doing the dog fighting, got smaller prison sentences. I mean, not by much, but still like you gave Michael Vick two fucking years for that. You know what? Fuck those dogs. Fuck them. I dogs suck ass anyways. And like, you're going to take this man out of the NFL, like at the prime of his career because of some fucking dogs. There are people in the NFL that have killed people. I mean, fucking Aaron Hernandez massacred people and was in the goddamn Super Bowl. He killed somebody like weeks before one of the Super Bowls. And you got, I mean, you got people doing all kinds of shit. I mean, like what you're going to put Michael Vick in prison for two years because of some fucking dogs. Yeah. Look, fuck those dogs. That's some, that is, that shit was infuriating to me that they were like thinking that a two year prison sentence is fair. Like it's not like he hurt a person. Now if Michael Vick had fucking 
attacked, you know, like thrown a person in there with the pit bulls and let his pit bulls like fuck this person up. Okay, two years, that's that's about right. But they're just fucking dogs. Like this whole fucking animal humane society bullshit is ridiculous. Like they're fucking dogs. Like they're I mean, I'm not saying you should just go kick your dog in the fucking head. <laughs> But, I mean, to put somebody in prison for two years over dogfighting is ridiculous. I mean, it is hard for that not to come across like a tad bit racist. When, <laughs> when like, it's like, oh, okay, we're going to put Michael Vick in prison for two years because he fucking let some people fight dogs. And then, like, they were kind of going into, like, the people, the way people were acting about, um, like, what Michael Vick's punishments should have been and saying, like, oh, he should have got the electric chair. Like, get the fuck out of here. Like, nobody should, I don't think anybody should go to prison for, you know, dogfighting. Big deal. Shit, I thought, I'll be honest, like, I don't know if it's really for me. It's not really shit that I would be into, but if like my neighbor, if I found out my neighbor was dogfighting, I'm not going to call the police. I mean, fuck them. It's got nothing to do with me. They're not killing my dogs because I don't have dogs because dogs suck ass. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think that they should do uh dog fighting, but only with uh toy dogs, like a uh, Yorkies and shit. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be the most adorable bloodbath of all time. <laughs> oh, goddamn. Well, uh, yeah, so last part of this episode um, is going to be my interview with Brandy Roderick. For those of you that don't know who Brandy is, uh, she was on Baywatch, um, was Playmate of the Year in 2000. 2001 was on Celebrity Apprentice uh, and easily one of the most beautiful women of all time. So, yeah, this was a real treat getting to talk to her. And, uh, yeah, so here's my interview with Brandy Roderick. So how did you get involved in, in Baywatch? Uh, well, just um, I actually was in a casting um in an audition for another show it was like a volleyball show or something like that mm-hmm. and the people that were casting it was also casting baywatch and they said oh my god why aren't you auditioning for baywatch you need to audition for baywatch so they pulled me in to the other room where the producers were for baywatch and i met them and um and then they sent me away with some sides um, to audition for Baywatch. And then I came back in the room and auditioned for that and then kept coming back and um, getting callbacks and then eventually auditioned for, uh, did a screen test um, yeah. with the producers and some of the other actors. Yeah, and what do you have any, like, any memories of working with Jason Momoa now that he's become, you know, probably one of the most famous actors on the planet? I mean, he's pretty young, <laughs> like, fresh-faced guy back then. <laughs> Do I have any memories? Is that what you said? Yeah, yeah. Like, what what were your oh, like, yeah. first impressions? Like, you know, things like that. Well, he was just such um, 
a sweet young boy at the time, mm-hmm. and he still is a sweet, in my eyes, a sweet young boy, <laughs> <laughs> even though he's like gotten so much bigger yeah. um, in all ways, size and, you know, his career. But um, he was just, we were like, a, because we shot in Hawaii, you know, you're on stuck on this island together. And um, we just became like this little family. Yeah. And so he was, um, you know, just a sweet guy and we always were hanging out. And one of the memories I remember being on set was we always had to do lots of um, water exercises and activities. And we were always in the ocean doing things like walking on the ocean floor with a big, huge um, boulder and, you know, doing all these crazy things. And we would do these underwater exercises and we'd see who could hold their breath the longest Mm -hmm. and it was always uh jason and i and i'd always i feel like i'd almost get him but he'd always beat me he would always stand to the longest and then i was second longest so we'd always be very competitive when it came to the water stuff (laughs) yeah do you remember what was your uh your personal record do you remember um we would go almost i would go almost two minutes and he would go over two minutes Jeez. so he obviously was the perfect is the perfect aquaman <laughs> <laughs> hey that's not yeah. bad though two minutes is that's yep. a hell of a time <laughs> so when yeah so did you become playmate of the year pretty much right at that same time yeah exactly okay. like when we were shooting um the season i think we came back I think the season was just getting over or was over and we came back and I was roommates with Stacy Kamano, who was on Baywatch mm-hmm. uh, with us. And I got the call from Marilyn Grabowski, who was the um, head editor over at Playboy. And um, she asked if I was sitting down and she said, do you want to be Playmate of the Year? And I was like, um, yeah. <laughs> and when I got off the phone, started jumping up and down and Stacey had just come out of the, I think out of the bathtub and we were jumping up and down together, yeah. all excited, uh, screaming. So it was uh, very exciting. I was the very first ever um, Baywatch girl to be um, Playmate of the Year. So it was a, a first and a very exciting one. Yeah. Wait, so so Pamela Anderson was never playmate of the year? No, um, she wasn't. She um, was during the year of, um, oh my God, I'm drawing a blank. What? Oh my gosh, uh, the, the gal that passed away. Oh Anna my Nicole gosh, Smith? terrible. Thank you, Anna oh. Nicole Smith, yes, was playmate of the year of that year. Oh, okay, okay. So, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So, I mean... I mean, obviously, I'm sure that you grew up, you know, getting a lot of attention, like obviously a very attractive person. But whenever like Baywatch comes out, Playmate of the Year happens, I mean, do you like how do you deal with that level of attention? Because that's got to be another world of. Well, you know, it's funny because it didn't seem like it at the time. And I literally just did. um a documentary uh, for Playboy, like mm-hmm. just a couple days ago, and she was talking about this very same subject. How, when we're young, when us girls when we're young, we don't realize our power. Mm-hmm. And like I think of it now, as a 46 year old woman, I'm like, holy shit! I wasn't only freaking Playmate of the Year. I was Baywatch Bay Playmate of the Year all at the same time. Like. Yeah. That's so much power. Like, but at that time you're young and you don't use it and you don't think that and you don't think, oh my God, 
you know, I must be beautiful or I must, they must like me or I don't know. You just don't think like that because you're so kind of young and naive to it. And so it's like, if I could go back now, you know, and know what I know now, (laughs) it's like, oh my gosh, I probably would have done even so much more with that. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, how old (laughs) were you? But you don't think like that when you're in it, you know? Yeah. For sure. For sure. I mean, and how old were you whenever you became Playmate of the Year? Because, I mean, you were probably, you know. No, I was the oldest. I was oh, really? not the oldest. Like, I think I was the second oldest Playmate of the Year ever. Um, but I, when I got it and I was shooting it, I was, was I 25 or 26? Mm. Well, I mean, that's. I can't remember. But when it finally came out, um, I think I was 26 or 20. I can't remember. Yeah. Well, Something I mean, like that. Even in hindsight, that's still really young. So it's hard to really know, you know, who you are when you're yeah. that age. Like, I I mean, I'm, you know, 27, and I don't know who the hell uh-huh. I am. So, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I wish I would know. I wish I could go back. But, um, yeah. but yeah, it's, it's still – it was a very exciting time. I mean, mm-hmm. I got to hang out with – all everybody I mean all the celebrities and had great I mean I the people I dated was I dated some pretty cool people and it was still (laughs) fun but it still wasn't uh, what it could have been (laughs) yeah well it never is I mean yeah yeah hindsight is right should have would have could have yeah yeah exactly (laughs) what were your I mean I know he passed away not well not too long ago but what were your memories of Hugh Hefner like I mean that like he's Uh probably one of the most iconic people probably ever I mean I don't know anybody that doesn't know who who Hugh Hefner is and Playboy was such a, a behemoth like in I mean yeah, so I mean, do you have any any memories of like what Hugh Hefner was like? Um... It was being uh, being with him and working with him and being a part of his world for twenty some odd years was just um, a blessing. I I feel that I owe a lot of everything I have to him yeah. and, and Playboy. Um, he was just such an amazing uh, man and taught me a lot. I learned a lot from him um, just in, in culture and, and being a celebrity mm-hmm. and even in, in music and movies. And he taught me so much about all of, you know, the earlier um you know, big band and jazz and movies like Casablanca and, you know, just everything. So, um, I just, I owe a lot to him for sure. Um, he definitely shaped the woman I am today for sure. 100%. Yeah. I think that, I mean, well, he definitely gets a lot of credit, but I don't think he gets enough credit in like, you know, creating a very tasteful approach to like you know nude modeling or how however you want to word it but mm-hmm. I, I, yeah i think that because i grew up in a super conservative family like conservative town in texas like playboy was like mm-hmm. basically like the devil <laughs> to, to everybody oh my gosh. well to hear you i mean here around here but then as i got older i realized like oh no this is not that's not what this is. It seems very like empowering to the women who are in Playboy. Mm-hmm. Like, is that kind yeah. of the is that kind of the like sort of the feeling whenever you're in a shoot that this is like this is like an empowerment thing more so than just you know like a, a nude photo. 
Yeah, well, it just felt like, um, I don't know that I, I had, I don't know if I had like that. A lot of girls have that empowering um, type feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, it was definitely, you know, a stepping stone and um, a family, a sisterhood, um, you know, something that you really feel can feel a part of and you can use that and um, make a difference in your life, in the world, whatever it is, you take that stepping stone and you can do whatever you want with it. You know, it was um, there. So there is, I guess, some empowerment in that, Mm -hmm. that you have a tool, a tool to help guide you to your next step and whatever that is that you want in life. Very cool. Very cool. So then Mm -hmm. uh, whenever you did, so how long was the gap between so you do Baywatch and then go into like Celebrity Apprentice or did you do Surreal Life first? Um, yeah, so when Baywatch was over, I did um, a few movies mm-hmm. and some hosting uh, TV shows, uh, different things like that. And then went and did the Surreal, you know, like the Surreal Life. I did that, yeah. you know, which was the very first ever reality. Um, celebrity reality show yeah i was obsessed um, i was obsessed with Sur- i said like as a kid i was obsessed with surreal life yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah no it was fun i was excited i mean we got to be the very first group and i got to live in a house with um some people that were already my friends but also mm-hmm. um new people so i was super excited to meet uh, one of my idols, which was MC Hammer. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I lived with uh, Corey Feldman, mm-hmm. who I already knew. Um, Vince Neil, I already knew. MC Hammer, Emmanuel Lewis, Gabrielle Carteris from 90210, mm-hmm. and then uh, newcomer Jerry Manthe, who was on the who was um, from Survivor. Right. Right. But yeah, it was it was awesome. Oh my gosh, that was again another love fest. They got us together, and we just became all the best of friends, and just had so much fun. Yeah, see, it seems like that could either go one of two ways. It could either be really great and everybody's friends, or it can be a disaster. <laughs> like like right. it depends, I guess, on the ego of the people who were there. And I remember like yep. the first season. I don't really remember there being like a lot of conflict between anyone, but I think it started to get that way like later on, like finding people who had really big egos and seeing what would happen. Yeah, it, it's all, it totally depends on the people that are in the house for sure. Like with our season, it was everybody got along and we're friends because we were, mm-hmm. we're good people. But then you get seasons where you get crazy people. And if, <laughs> as soon as you put one crazy person into it, you know, it's going to be crazy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, exactly. And then so. you, whenever you were signing on to do Celebrity Apprentice, I mean, did you have any kind of nerves going into it? Because it's, it's a different kind of reality TV for sure. I mean, it's, it's a little more it was way more high paced a lot more on the line it seems like yeah there's definitely when there's when there's competition involved it's going to be get a little more um ugly i guess maybe <laughs> yeah and then um, but, mm-hmm. were you, so you did it with when donald trump was hosting and when schwarzenegger was hosting right were you on both i was on um my first season was the season with Joan Rivers and um, Clint Black. 
Mm-hmm. And then I also did the All Stars, um, which was um, like, who was it? Um, Latoya Jackson. Mm-hmm. Dennis Rodman came back for All Stars. Um, uh, Jesse James. Uh, Trace, At- Trace Atkins. Jesse yeah. James was on my first season, the one that oh, I was on right. with. Uh, that's right. Yeah. Joan Rivers. Yeah. Um, Omarosa was on the All Stars with me. Um, yeah. So it was. Oh, and, and Brett Michaels for he was on the first episode. Yeah. There's a lot of. I mean, yeah. Mary Lou Henner, Little John. Damn. Yeah. So. <laughs> I mean like like i have to ask like what what did you think like whenever he became president because i think we forget that you know that donald trump at one time was like a cultural icon Uh you know like as a just as a celebrity slash businessman and it's almost lost on everybody now i mean me included like i saw the comedy central roast the other day and i was like holy hell i forgot this guy was like not president at one point (laughs) yeah i mean he's always been the you know household name and and even you know the thing that's so crazy is when everyone someone says like oh that trumps that or whatever it's like there's this even you even his name you know is a household name for you know just saying of it (laughs) yeah yeah and then what what were like what was your experience like like with him i mean do you get like a lot of time with him i mean he he was awesome. He hired me twice, you know, how yeah. could you, you know, not like the guy that hired you twice. <laughs> and he was always, you know, super nice and respectful and, um, yeah. So it was a great experience. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's awesome. And then, so what have you been doing since? I mean, I know that you do real estate, right? Uh, yeah, I do real estate. And then I also, um, just started my YouTube show which has Mm -hmm. been a lot of fun. So that's Brandy Roderick TV. And it's, you know, we cover everything, anything from health and fitness. We Mm -hmm. just did an episode this past week on what men and women want, you know, in Mm -hmm. time for Valentine's Day, you know, like kind of advice on, uh, we we met with an expert and I also had a single girl on there. And, um, you know, so kind of talking about that, fun topics like that. I did an episode where I'm making um, unhealthy breakfasts as well as healthy <laughs> breakfasts, so you can have a choice. Yeah. Um, we I did healthy cocktails and all kinds of fun stuff. So what I do is I just listen to my fans mm-hmm. and what is it that they want to learn and know about, and um, and I create my episodes around that. So I yeah. just listen to what people want. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm definitely. Yeah. I, I got to check it out because I'm trying to lose weight right now, and it has been a lifelong struggle. So, oh <laughs> uh, yeah, there's some good tips in there. I did. Yeah. The very first episode was on health and fitness, so there's some good stuff in there talking about alkaline water and mm-hmm. um, you know just doing little things to help uh, change habits. I don't believe in. Um, so I guess you need to go on diet sometime to like help kickstart it. But mm-hmm. as far as long term, I don't like using the word diet ever yeah. because yeah. I think it's just about uh, making healthy choices and, and becoming healthier. Mm-hmm. And then once you get to that point, not depriving yourself, like eat healthy, you know, during the week, let's say, but, you know, splurge a little bit on the weekends, you yeah. know, not depriving yourself because when you deprive yourself too much, that's when you go off the wagon. That's when you want it the most, right? Like, I can't have that. So then you want it even more, you know? Yeah. But if you didn't tell yourself you can't have it, it's not like you're going to 
go crazy and, and want it so bad, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Well, um, all right, last question because I know you've got to get going. Yep. All right, what is your go-to cheat meal? My go-to cheat meal? Yeah, yeah, like when you splurge pizza. pizza. for sure, pizza, if I can get it. If not, I always have a box of macaroni and cheese in my <laughs> – um, my pantry. So if I'm going to splurge, I'm going out or I can order it. I would get pizza. But yeah. if I'm at home and I don't have access, I'll go get my Mac and cheese. Nice. <laughs> nice. That's yeah. That's a good one. That's pretty much the exact same answer I have to pizza is a pizza is a go-to always. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, for sure. Well, yeah. Thank well, you so yeah. much. I Please. really had a, had a great time talking with you. Yeah, well, I'd love it if everybody would go to my YouTube show and go to Brandy Roderick TV and then also follow me on Instagram and get all my little fun tips. It's Perfect. just my name, Brandy Roderick. Well, I guess you just have to be prepared to die. Well, what? Get off your cell phones. Pay attention. I tell you, you start counting five like a sucker.